What's up? It's your pal Wenchik is Thoughticus, and this is The Bar is Low. Every episode, we take a look at a fan fiction or a collection of fan fictions, and these can either be good, bad, or in between, but mostly, they're bad. Pokophilia was originally meant to be a two-parter, but here I am making another fucking pair of these episodes. For reasons I don't understand, Pokophilia has consistently been getting plays, even though I posted it almost a full year ago. Since then, though, I've caught up with Pokemon games. Previously, I've only played some Gen 4 games, Diamond, Platinum, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, but now I've played Pokemon White, Omega Ruby, Y, and Moon also. So there's still some stuff I'm missing, like Black and White 2, Ultra Sun Ultra Moon, but that's a game taking place in every region if you weren't keeping track. So this time I'm gonna know what I'm talking about like at least 90% of the time, I hope. Which is gonna be more than I can say for most of the non-Avatar episodes I do. Like a lot of the Dixar episodes, I'm like I haven't watched this movie in fucking years, so I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So this episode is gonna be focused on the characters from the franchise instead of OCs. Now I've never watched the anime, but like I just said I played the game, so I hope that's enough. Gonna have to retract that 90% and make it like 75. It's mostly gonna be human on human today. I tried to get a good balance between characters from different regions. There's still gonna be some Pokemon on human stuff. Otherwise, could I really call this a Pokophilia episode? The original plan was to do a franchise character episode and an OC episode, but that's not gonna be happening. Round 4 is gonna have some OCs, sure, but more importantly, it'll be exclusively actual pokophilia and pokophilia episodes always seem to dredge up the most disgusting content too i found a lot of scat fetish stuff i don't think i've ever even encountered that before so that'll be kind of a first for this show but worse than that pedophilia i feel like i need to make a statement about the barslow and content involving very underage characters so here it is if you have to age down the main characters from the Pokemon franchise to fit your twisted fantasies? Like, what the fuck, man? There was a fic I considered covering, but after looking at the author's profile, well, they're a pedophile. More fucking four-year-olds, like in episode 17, Pokophilia Round 2. Like, for fucking real, people. I know I cover a lot of stuff about teenagers on this show. It's because a lot of the main characters in various popular media are teenagers, so it kind of rules out a lot of content if I stop doing that. I mean, I'm still technically a teenager myself. Not for much longer, though. Personally, I don't like to write about minors. I'm more about people's hot parents, to be honest, like especially the evil ones. I wish I'd been able to put more lucamine on this episode because I'm gonna be real, she's a MILF. But the little kids, I just can't do it. Seriously, pedophiles are not good enough for my show and they're not worthy of my attention. And this is a shitty fucking podcast. It's literally called The Bar is Low. The Bar is Low, but still too high for pedophiles. So if you're a pedophile, do the world a favor and just kill yourself or at least don't listen to my podcast. So basically, what I'm saying is that I'm not trying to break the fucked up meter Retrospectively, Pokophilia round two would have been an 11 out of 10, but that was before I started doing the fucked up meter Today's fucked up meter rating is a comparatively measly 9.5 out of 10 for bestiality and overall fucking weirdness. Some strange fetishes come up, so just be ready to be all like, what the fuck? What is humanity? So let's go, let's talk about some Pokophilia. As usual, we're gonna start off fairly light on the disturbing content and it'll get progressively more fucked up and weird in this case. And then we'll end on a kind of fun one just to cleanse ourselves a little bit, arguably.
So this one's a Stephen Stone and Wallace fic. I wanted to do one just because of a single post on Tumblr that kind of made me ship it, but like there's more to it than just Steve and Wallace. And we'll get there. Uh, so we begin with Stephen coming home after a long day, two hours later than he said he would. And Wallace, he's not exactly thrilled about that. Fortunately, he's a gold digger. So Steve's like, sorry, babe, I'll let you use my credit card for whatever you want to make it up to you. And Wallace just like, sounds fantastic but steven continues to be all weird and secretive especially when it comes to his steel type pokemon that he loves so dearly wallace runs into him talking to may and brendan on two separate occasions about the wonders of steel types and he says some kind of weird shit the way they shine their bodies are so hard and cool to the touch have you ever touched a steel Pokemon before? Oh, you love steel Pokemon too? Their texture is so arousing to the senses. Feel how hard and tough they are, yet so cool and smooth to the touch. They are so loyal, intelligent, and understanding towards your feelings. And although they don't look it, you can really connect with them in an intimate manner. The way their bodies rebuff when you hug. And they are incredibly addictive to snuggle. I love my Metagross so much. Steve, what the fuck, bro? Really, man, like of all, of, of all the types to snuggle with, you're like, steel types yeah that's the best i just love laying my head down on a slab of metal i don't know fire types might be worse and rock would be pretty bad too but steel's definitely up there in the least cuddly of pokemon types steve goes out on a business trip one weekend and doesn't give wallace much info but he sure is spending a lot of time with his metagross wallace meets up with winona to get some advice from her about how to tell if someone's cheating at first he's like yeah i'm just asking for a friend but eventually he slips up enough times that he's like yeah you know what it's actually about me and i think steven's uh fucking his metagross fucking weirdo and winona's like you're probably just jumping to conclusions maybe you should try like talking to him about it and wallace is like oh well, fuck that shit <laughs> when steven gets back he ends up redecorating the house a little and he invites wallace over so now there are like rocks everywhere and there's just a sealed dildo lying on the bed can i just say ouch so steve's like hey i'm down to try it how about you but wallace just isn't feeling it he does end up spending the night and he wakes up to steven like sleep wanking and muttering mm, shiny and he's just like oh fuck this shit wake up bitch and the next day he gets a phone call from Steven, who wants to talk to him about something important at Meteor Falls. So naturally, Wallace thinks that Steven's gonna dump his ass. It says he wears waterproof makeup in case he starts crying. I think he'd like wear waterproof makeup most of the time. He's a water type gym leader. I imagine he gets splashed a lot during his battles. So they meet up. And Steven has his big speech prepared, like, I love you, baby, but you deserve someone who can give you more attention. And Wallace is just gonna jump in, like, okay, just get it over with, will ya? But Steven just, like, asks Wallace to marry him. That was a pleasant plot twist. Okay. Uh, Wallace is, like, super confused, even though it could not be more obvious what is happening in that moment. Like, Steve's, like, down on one knee with a fucking ring. So he confesses that he thought Steven was fucking his Pokemon and Steve has this whole apology about how he was being so secretive and it was because he wanted to make it a surprise and he was spending so much time with his rocks because he wanted to make the perfect ring. But Wallace is like, you know what? It's all good. I am a gold digger. Let's get married right away. I want all of your money. So that was a relief. I'm glad it ended in the way it did. I want to say that it was cute, but Wallace is such a gold digger, I can't really. The last line is just like, he heard nothing but the chimes of money in his head. 
Like, how much do gym leaders make? I feel like I need to know that now. I feel like they're either woefully underpaid and they just, like, get to keep the earnings that they're given when they win battles, or they're just super overpaid, like, professional athletes. But I'm leaning more towards the first option, honestly. Okay, next fic, and we're gonna dive into the weird fetish stuff now, because fuck you. I was originally planning on doing a different fic by this author called Empress Lana and Her Poop Slaves at 22,000 words long, but even I have my limits as to what I will click on, so we're just gonna do a much shorter fart fetish fic they have. Fucking, fucking fart fetish. What the- people are fucking weird. Seriously, like, not only are all this author's works about farting and scat, but most of them, like, reference it in the title. It's like a seven-year-old kid who thinks farts are the height of comedy, but it's worse because it's sexual. Like, imagine having a scat or fart fetish. Like, I hope you have to imagine it. Like, your vagina or your dick, like, must really hate you. If it's like, you know what, I think I'm gonna get wet or hard when you think about literal fecal matter. So, Misty wants to fart on some people because fuck you, that's why. She doesn't know whether it would be Ash or Brock yet, but Brock starts hitting on some girl. So, Misty decides to punish him and she just drags him to some alley somewhere to fart all over him. I guess for these people, the louder and the nastier and the worse it smells, the sexier it is. They phonetically write out the fart sounds too. It's, it's like a slow-mo keyboard smash. It's it's strange. Misty sends out her Staryu to freeze Brock solid so he can't escape. This bitch is determined. And he's just like, why are you doing this, Misty? What did I do wrong? And she's like, nothing. I just like have to do this. It's my fetish. So Brock's gross the fuck out, as am I. And he's like, actually, your booty's kind of hot if I could just ignore the farts and hold the fuck up misty's 11 years old what the fuck i don't know why i assume she was older than that if she and ash are kind of love interests and he's 10 i thought she was at least a teenager like how fucking old is brock like he seems like he should be at least 20 to me but he's probably younger than that i want to say he creeping but misty's high key just holding him hostage so she just leaves him there encased in the ice and she comes back eating a taco to sit on his face some more because she is satan this has been going on for hours through the night how can they even be friends after this here's a quote and so as the faint pink of dawn brushed across the sky one final omega fart emerged from misty's glorious anus Honestly, that's a beautiful sentence. The way they contrasted the beauty of the sky with her fucking tremendous fart, but kept the tone the same, just kind of does it for me. If there's one thing I appreciate about this fic, it's this sentence. So it ends like that, more or less. Why are people turned on by the weirdest shit? Like, sorry, but I'm gonna have to king shame you there, buddy. Okay, this next fic, it's been too long since I talked about this author, Nidoran Duran. We talked about them in the first Focophilia episode and the second Fun for the Whole Family episode. Can't believe I didn't think of them right away when I was looking for fic to do for today. So here, Grimsley and Chantal, I don't know how to say her name, Chantal, Chantal, um, whatever, from the Elite Four in Unova are in a dom-sub relationship where every night at eight, she becomes his obedient sex slave or whatever it is that you do in BDSM. I don't know, I'm not, not into that whole subculture. So Grimsley comes in, he wants to try something new tonight, shatter one last taboo that they haven't touched. They've already done some crazy shit, doesn't really say what, what that shit is, only that they've done it. So she's like, hmm, what could it possibly be? Feeling a bit nervous. And he wants her 
to fuck his Pokemon while he watches. His Houndoom and his Mighty Anna, to be specific. At first, she's like, what the fuck? But she gets used to the idea pretty quickly. He lets her choose where to start, so she begins by sucking Mighty Anna's wolf dick. Like, yeah, this is weird, but okay, it's happening. What's their safe word? I want to know so I can scream it on her behalf. So Houndoom starts to take an interest in her, and it starts eating her out. Like, do wolves or dogs engage in oral sex? Something I want to know now, but at the same time, I actually don't want to know it at all. Grimsley has been jerking it while this is happening, but once Mighty Anna finishes, he's like, okay, I'm jealous of my own Pokemon, even though I'm the one who wanted this to happen. Now, suck my dick, wench. So Houndoom starts, like, fucking her for real now, and she notices that it has a very warm dick, and I was hoping so badly for fire ejaculation, some, some penis firebending, but no. There's no penis firebending, so I'll just go back to drinking my sad bitch juice. Uh, apparently, he also loves whoring out Chantal to all his friends, which I shouldn't even be remotely surprised about, considering that it would be a natural first step before whoring her out to his Pokemon. But yeah, it's just like, it wasn't the first time Grimsley enjoyed her mouth while another man fucked her. Not even the tenth time. <laughs> I mean, like, live your best life, Chantal, if that's what you like to do. Grimsley calls out his Mediana again so she can get double penetrated, baby. Or rather, it's triple penetration because he's still fucking her mouth. They out here calling cum spunk and using the S word. But Chantal's, like, really having the time of her life. Like, Grimsley finishes, but the dogs are just still knotted in her so they can't pull out. She's just stuck. And he just leaves her there. <laughs> he just leaves her there. Uh, couldn't he call his Pokemon back to their Pokeballs to get them out? Would that work? Or not? He just loves degrading her that much. She just loves being degraded that much. Man, the shit she's willing to do for him. I don't get it, honestly. I don't, I don't get wanting to be a submissive, like, that hardcore, at least. So while we're still talking about fucking Pokemon, let's jump on over to Alola. I really wanted to do a Lusamune and Guzma fic, but they were all kind of the same. None of them screamed the bars low at me. There's so much Guzma X-Reader shit out there. I think that was the most popular Pokemon shit for Gen 7, but there's no Guzma today. I'm sorry about that. So these next three fics are all from the same author, and oh boy, it gets pretty out there by the end of this little trilogy. Lusamine was pretty weird about those jellyfish ultra beasts in the game. Like, honestly, I didn't find Steven's dialogue about steel types to imply sexuality, but when Lusamine talks about Nihiligo, I don't know, man. She had a bizarre obsession, no doubt. Whether that was sexual in nature, well, that's up to the internet to decide. Maybe I didn't do enough digging, but the internet actually seems to have decided mostly that it wasn't sexual. Like, if I go on Google Images and I don't see weird fetish porn after, like, a minute, it's not sexual. I swear to fuck, every time I look up a Pokemon for, like, for a drawing reference or something, without fail, vor or inflation art will show up. People are crazy, man. So, lose me and Nile Ego. The internet didn't think it was that hot, but that didn't stop some people. So, Lucent means in ultra space, surrounded by tentacle monsters. Apparently, she's masturbated about this moment ever since she first felt the sensuous embrace of the jellyfish. So, she goes about fusing with one, and it begins to kind of plant artificial thoughts in her head, or at least there's some sort of wearing down of her inhibitions. It makes her, like, want to breed. To fuck, yes, but not only that. Like, Lucent really do be out there. Like, fuck them kids, we only care about jellyfish now. The Nihiligo starts fucking her pussy with one of them tentacles, and the chemicals it's sending to her brain are, are making it like 10 times more intense for her. Can you imagine? Like, not even physically. 
just emotionally being fucked by the jellyfish after which you've been lusting so hard. The raw emotional intensity of that. <laughs> Times 10 now. Like two lovers uniting after, <laughs> after long years apart. She gains the ability to control some of the tentacles now that the psychic link between her and the Nihiligo is getting stronger. And she's like, I need more of this. And I quote, she felt her anal virginity destroyed. <laughs> like, she, like, oh she wants another one for her mouth and she just starts giving it some tender love and kisses. But the beast is like, nah, fuck this shit. And then just brutally throat fucks her. Quote, she was honestly perplexed how she was even breathing with this thing in her throat, but her concern vanished quickly. How am I still alive right now? Was effortlessly eclipsed by f fuck, fuck me, fuck my pussy. Tilde in Lucamine's doped up head. Oh yeah, by the way, this author loves Tilde's, which just drove me crazy. So when she feels that the beast is about to come, she literally gets tears of joy in her eyes. The fuck? So the tentacles come and she just passes out. When she wakes up, you get your cum inflation pregnancy fetish. I'm not even sure which one it is. I think it's pregnancy because apparently there are mere hours between ejaculation and birth for ultra beasts. Look, animals reproduce in a lot of weird ways. I don't claim to be an expert, but gestation occurring over a period of hours, that doesn't sound right to me. And the ultra beasts are genderless, which brings me to the question of how they breed anyways. You know, I'm not even going to try to figure that out. We just have to accept this as reality. So she just gives birth to a bunch of Nihiligo and has orgasms doing it because the magic toxins are still in her system. And it just ends like that. She's going to spend forever in ultra space fucking jellyfish and helping them reproduce. I mean, sex doesn't have the long-term consequences to it that it has in, in regular world. So that's nice. Like pregnancy lasts a few hours. Giving birth is orgasmic and then the kids are self-sufficient right away. So you don't have to worry about them. Seems like a pretty sweet deal to me if you're into all that weird kinky shit. Lucamine is living the dream. So this next one, the title of this fic lets you know exactly what you're in for. I love how blunt it is. Just Silver takes a dicking. The premise is that Silver went to the Sinnoh region and he beat the champion. Well, he may have dominated Cynthia in battle, but she dominates him in the bedroom. This is actually the second fic in the series, but I'm just doing this one. So far, she's jerked him off and ate his ass just to tease him, make him desperate, but they're gonna go farther now. Full penetrative sex, baby. They get a room at the Velar Lake Resort and Cynthia wastes no time in telling him to get undressed. So we need to talk about Silver's ass because it's everyone's favorite thing. She likes to call him ass boy. She won't even call him by his real name. I mean, that sounds like something you name him when you're playing the game. Like, why don't they let you name your rivals anymore? What's up with that? I wanna call Silver ass boy too. I know they do it in uh, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu, but I haven't played that. But I think they've stopped doing that in Gen 5, which sucks. I want to I wanna call Silver Ass Boy too. Let me do that. So some phrasing for you, y'all, involving Ass Boy's ass. Plush rump, plump rump, buxom booty, darling prized bottom, jiggly bubbly Johto ass. I don't know why they felt the need to put Johto in there. And it was hard not to think of Silver as a fat, fuckable fanboy ass attached to a scowl and dark red hair. So ass boy is like, cool, I get to fuck Cynthia finally. And she's like, nah, son, I'm a Fuda in this fanfiction, so it is I who will be fucking you. 
She speaks with so many tildes, too. Why do people think that's necessary? Okay, so now we talk about Silver's dick because that gets some discussion and description, too. She calls his dick an adorable cocklette. And then here's what she says about it after admitting that she's just teasing him about it when she said it was small. Your cock's big, but it's so, it's so childish. I mean, just look at that foreskin. Your dick's like if someone took a big power tool and painted pretty flowers on it. How am I supposed to respect a dick as big and mighty when it can't even get all the way out till day? You're just a lame little oversensitive quick shot. You'd break within seconds of fucking me, I'm sure. So it's time for the main event, as they call it. She undresses for him, and we're gonna talk about the phrasing because, dear God, those titanic, tear-shaped titties. They call her titties titanic titanic. And here's a little passage. No, for all the amazing womanhood on display, the peerless manhood hanging in the warm air was what demanded the most attention. Heavy, powerful, virile balls the size of fruit hung from her full to bursting ball sack. It was the perfect tanker of wriggling sperm to power the livestock-sized third leg dangling where a cute cunt should have sat. God, it was down to her kneecaps. How did she ever hide that thing? How was she not constantly jacking off night and day with a big sensitive meat slab like that sitting between her legs? Why? And the darling lady, the public knew was gone for the moment. This was an Amazon who wanted to fuck here are the different things to call her dick humongous anaconda gigantic fuck rod immense girl meat and mega cock like it's the fucking mega evolution of a pokemon they also say butt breeding fucking butt breeding and then boy pink to refer to silver's asshole like no pink doesn't work for a synonym for vagina and boy pink does not work as a synonym for butthole okay so her dick slides in real nice in spite of its massive size because she used lube like you're fucking supposed to. And Silver just nuts almost immediately with his, quote, quick shot cock. But he's like, no, I'm not ashamed. How can I blame myself? I'm just going to read this scene. So strap in, y'all. A hand gripped the back of Silver's head. In an instant, it was slamming his skull down into one of the furniture's pillows. He was face down, ass up, just the way he should be. Cynthia grew more intense, her gestures firmer, her pace quicker, her voice booming. You're gonna be the most fuckable piece of ass in Sinnoh and Jonah when I'm done with you. We are gonna work that little slutty caboose of yours night after night with fat fucking dildos. I'm gonna nut so hard, so much up your ass. You're gonna need to start buying pregnancy tests. Male or female, everyone's gonna wanna shove their face in your little prize. We're gonna work it faster, harder. I'm gonna make you the ultimate butt fucking machine. I don't know why I use that voice for her. Um, Cynthia had been unleashed. Silver was getting it all, all the mad lust pumping through her veins, uninterrupted by her cheery champion demeanor. He replied the only ways he could, mewling like a little anal whore into his pillow and leaking semen like a broken faucet. They held this position while fucking for some time, Cynthia's saucy tongue making Silver scream with every little quip 
It was a sight to behold. A sight that, unbeknownst to Silver, a handful of people could see. A few traders had seen them up in their little villa's broad window. Cynthia's only response was looking right back at them and continuing to fuck Silver stupid. It was a fun way to shoo onlookers away. Especially with those tented pants. All the while, Silver's dick was spewing like a leaky pipe, and it goes on like that for a while, and there aren't really any good quotes, but it continues. It was heavenly. Cynthia wished she could sit here butt-fucking her favorite little fag for hours on end. Yet, she too had her limits. Even her cock didn't have the stamina to stand strong in Silver's tight asshole forever. Her own cum shot was mounting. It was time to finish the poor boy off. One final shift in position took place. Cynthia grabbed hold of the grunting boy and flipped him onto his back. Cynthia was going to drive the boy wild for the final moments of their ass-fucking. They were face-to-face, Silver staring at the beautiful, sweaty body of this amazing woman. And when I've trained you well enough, when I've trained you so you can take a cock up your ass for an hour without blowing your load, Cynthia exhaustedly groaned, then I'm going to let you finally claim my body. I'm going to take that mini dick in my fat ass and milk you fucking dry. You'll be the perfect apprentice, the perfect lover. I'll mold you into a sex god, worthy of a sex goddess like me. Cynthia leaned in, her lips aimed for Silver's. She wanted to let him know. It was all true. He was hers, and soon she'd be his. They weren't just teacher and apprentice now. They were lovers. They kissed their lips locked to celebrate the first major breakthrough in Silver's training. It was all either of them could stand. Cynthia came, one last balls deep thrust into her darling ass boy, one last quake of her heavy nuts contracting, and she was there. Big, sticky, hot girl comes straight out of her fat cock head. In a heavy dousing, Silver could feel radiating in his gut. So this was what being came inside felt like. This was what a woman felt like when she had the dick of her life spraying wild inside her and lover making her take their love. <laughs> what? <laughs> so it ends with Cynthia saying, I intend on training your body in public next time. I love to come in your ass during a beach sunset. So romantic. And then they take a shower together, but we don't actually get to see that scene. <laughs> what was this? I love it, but why? He sure took a dicking, huh? My god. So this next one is the last selection from this author, and it's a fucking weird one. So Lyra's done it. She's defeated Whitney's mill tank, the fucking devil itself. Not to brag or anything, but I never had too much trouble with Whitney's mill tank. Like, especially for that kind of quasi-Nuzlocke playthrough of Heart Gold I did, where it shows Chikorita as my starter. That whole run through didn't go well at all. So Lyra's done it. And it's the last thing she remembers doing. She's been kidnapped. She wakes up all drugged up and there's some sort of tube going down her throat. She drifts back off, but the next time she awakens, oh my god. She just wakes up with some massive tits. And I'm real- I'm just talking a real set of donkeys. Oh, here's a fucking quote. It's ridiculous. Taut skin, full to bursting with milk, was jiggling freely with every little shake and shimmy. Lyra made was plastered on her. Just leaning back and forth sent her ludicrously oversized knockers swaying and clapping their mountainous piles of flesh together. My friends, anime. So she notices that whenever she touches her titties, when they mash together, which is all the time because they jiggle every time she moves, it feels kind of good. It turns her on. And she looks down a little further. Which is hard to do because, you know, those titties are just so huge and she has cock too now. 
and a tail and cow horns. She is a Miltank Fuda. She's also on a field somewhere and she thinks she sees someone in the distance so she goes to investigate. Oh, but just mm, the sensation of her kids just slushing with milk is getting her so horny. She doesn't want to start masturbating in the middle of the field because she's still holding on to that human decency she has, but the urge gets the better of her. She just milks herself in the middle of the fucking pasture and her orgasm, it's just milk squirting out of her nipples like come from a cock. I, uh, uh. next day she's taken back inside so they can do more weird shit to her which we don't get to see but her tits get somehow bigger and her dick now nearly a foot long and the rest of her is also becoming more like a cow i do not understand why this needs to be food up but okay it all makes sense later kind of also i've heard the word manhood as a synonym for dick before and i've heard womanhood for vagina before but cowhood is the word they throw at us here to refer to her voluptuous udders basically so she sees some other people slash cows slash fuck machines in the distance and she runs off to greet them pretty soon she realizes that it's gym leader claire dominating the shit out of silver and they both have giant tits silver sells a small pee pee but claire's fuck stick that is the cock of an alpha cow right there Lyra comes up and Claire takes notice of her. Silver has already given up on talking and the fate that will be coming for Lyra soon, I'm sure. I should mention that every character moves and sometimes there are tildes at the end of their moves. And Claire starts emitting like pheromones that they get Lyra all horny, so she fucks her while Silver licks Claire's asshole and diddles his little micro penis. Lyra leaves the scene kind of mad that Claire is the alpha cow and she will win. She will win, believe her. Next section of the fic where she goes into a barn and then she wakes up again, it opens like this. Good God, Lyra thought her old cock was huge, but this put her old length to total shame. No, this honestly made every cock Lyra had ever seen before a joke. Comparing it to any cock was doing it a disservice. This thing deserves to be put on par with someone's forearm. That massive hulking meat pillar. That total mastery of cunt-breaking manhood was attached to Lyra of all people. She wasn't sure whether she was horrible, unlucky, or gifted. Standing up proper seemed to be a far more difficult act than before. Her massive weighty thighs certainly had all the power they could ever need to stand. Just not quite the balance to haul all new cowhood up. There's that fucking word again, cowhood. What? <laughs> then there was the matter of adjusting her walk so simple locomotion didn't have her thigh meat squashing her gargantuan balls together to this point of pain. Lyra's huge nuts, each twice the size of her fist, were severely starved for space, even with her copious thigh gap. Each squeeze that was just a bit too tight sent a spurt of thin white liquid uncontrollably leaking out of her huge rod. She needed to learn quick the risk breaking down from another uncontrollable masturbation session. Essentially, Lyra was a certified bovine princess at this point. What would her fat cock be without an equally massive set of udders to back up her bull parts? Her melons were beyond titanic. <laughs> the fucking word again, tits, titanic tits. Beyond titanic, excuse me, beyond titanic. Her melons were beyond titanic, farm-grown watermelons she could hardly even see the ends of. What? 
totally massive, absolutely towering, ridiculous gigatits hung from her chest. So overpacked with surging, cascading milk lactation was less a matter of is she doing it and more a question, how much is she letting out? The slightest movement sent what felt like upwards of a gallon of tit flesh shaking and shivering. How Lyra was even able to stand upright as if dozens of pounds of bouncy breasts weren't weighing down her chest was a minor miracle. This is so wild. Like, really, what the fuck? Why did this need to be like this? Why? 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 I don't get it. I don't. I just don't. So, she's in a barn, right? And Whitney comes in. And Lyra's given up on thinking at this point. She's just ready for Whitney to milk her. We finally get an explanation for what the fuck is happening. Pretty much, Whitney can use cow food or milk and cum to make HP ups, which she'll sell for profit. She monologues all this like a villain. We all know it's not exactly buying time for Lyra to escape. No, it's just making her very angry. Enough to break free of her restraints and start emitting those cow pheromones that start turning Whitney on. You can see where this is going. Whitney quickly gives in and rips her clothes off to get that absolutely massive, sweet, sweet cow dick. Fucking apparently she's a virgin, but she shoves all sorts of stuff up there, fantasizing about a moment like this. They also keep calling her vagina a pink. Never heard that before, and I don't like it. So, it is not a good fit, but instead of Whitney's uterus falling out, like what happened in episode 57, Lyra's dick hits the cervix, and that's as far as it can go. And you get your cock making an outline in a person's stomach fetish. I keep seeing that, and I would like to know what it's called so I could stop calling it cock making an outline in a person's stomach fetish. And Lyra orgasms, you get your cum inflation. It jumps to a few months later, and Lyra's now the baddest bitch on the farm, and life is good. Claire's sucking her dick and hates it so much. Whitney is, like, super pregnant with quintuplets because fuck you. Look, I've seen a lot of pregnancy fetish stuff, but that's that's just too much, too much. Usually it's twins, triples when you're feeling adventurous, but quintuplets? Really? Huh. Lyra offers to put a few more buns in that oven. Till day after she gives birth, like, okay, that's five kids already. Why not more, right? Ugh, and I have to ask, whose balls are those? She wasn't born with them. They had to come from somewhere. So, who's the real baby daddy? That's what I'm asking. And if all you need is milk and cum to make HP ups that you want to sell, well, there's a lot of other ways to get those instead of kidnapping people and performing surgery on them to make them into fucking cows. <sighs> Whatever, though. It's porn. Why am I even bothering criticizing the logic? It's so ridiculously over the top that there's no point, really. So, in short, what the fuck did I just read? Now I'm going to be traumatized by Whitney and her milk tank for entirely different reasons than most people. Did her milk tank used to be human? I don't want to know. Actually, pretend I didn't say that. Okay, so after all that fucking weirdness, I think we need something a little bit later to close us off. The pairing in this fic is gonna be a bit of a surprise, but let me just say it's a fun one. You might not like it, but I feel like someone needed to write something of it. And well, this person delivered. And I just have to read it. It's one of those fics where there's too much going on for me to get the full effect across with just a summary. So here we go. Notes. Delia Ketchum. Mrs. Ketchum. Mama San. Ash's mom. And a total MILF. TM. I just want to start off by saying that I have no clue why the creators of the English version of Pokemon named her Delia Ketchum. She sounds like a gross condiment that you'd think about putting on your hot dog at your uptight aunt's barbecue and then you'd think, nah, maybe I shouldn't. And after hours of sitting around and listening to one of your uncles talk about how he's afraid of Asian people and has been ever since he moved to Florida, you say, fuck it, 
I'm hammered off cheap wine and bad conversation. Let's do this. You instantly regret it, though. Those five hours you spent on the toilet afterwards are no joke. But yeah, Delia Ketchum, total MILF TM. Now, let me regale you with the wondrous story of how Ash Ketchum and Delia Ketchum got a new daddy TM. Ash, it's time for dinner. Dinner, oh boy. Ash, who hadn't eaten proper food in forever, probably because his mom let him leave the house at 10 years old to go travel a fake universe, gotta catch them all, ran down the stairs and tripped over Pikachu. Pikachu! Pikachu's startled sneeze electrocuted Ash. Never forget the first episode when that was all Pikachu did. He's the real villain of that episode. But maybe also Professor Oak, because I'm pretty sure he's got some shifty stuff going on with Ash. I don't trust it. And speaking of shifty shit, why was Professor Oak video chatting Ash? Because he's not related to and probably doesn't even know that well when he could be video chatting with his grandchild. Like, yes, Gary is a piece of shit who has an oddly big fan club, but also he could have used some guidance. And Professor Oak is like, well, he's a lost cause. Time to creep on a 10-year-old I have no relation to. This fic also has pictures in it. This one just says, Law and Order Special Victims Unit. But now, Professor Oak must be put out of our minds. He's fucked up, but we're here for something even more fucked up. Bestiality. Are the Pokemon considered animals? Maybe. What about the vaguely humanoid ones? For the purpose of this fanfic, they're beasts. Beasts! You scream into the void. The void does not scream back. It's done with people screaming into its vast hole, and then there's an image of a donkey in a well. Yes, even the vaguely humanoid Pokemon are beasts. Changed my mind! And Delia Ketchum is with the biggest beast of them all. Ash, stop fooling around with your Pokemon and set the table. Okay, Mom. Ash grabbed the cutlery and started setting the table for two. No, Ash, we're going to need three spots. Really? For a second, Ash felt his heart swell. Is Dad coming back? No, Ash, but someone special is joining us for dinner. Delia smiled sweetly to herself. Who? Is it someone I know? Well, let's just say that he's been hanging around for a while now, but I'm excited for you to finally get to know him. Huh, that's weird. My mom doesn't have that many friends unless you count Professor Oak, but I already know him, Ash thought. Just as Ash was setting the last place at the table, there was a knock at the door. Ash, would you- Yeah, I got it, Mom. Rushing over to the door, Ash pulled it open to reveal a Mr. Mime. And not just any Mr. Mime, either, but the one that was constantly hanging out with his mom. What are you doing here? My mom was expecting someone for dinner, and she didn't say she wanted this to be dinner theater. Ash said, eyeing Mr. Mime up and down. Mr. Mime shrugged its fit deltoids at Ash and extended the flowers it was holding in his hand. Even under the green and yellow shirt that Mr. Mime was wearing, Ash could tell that it was ripped. Probably, and this thought would only cross his mind later, from going down on some grade A pussy. And there's a little picture of Mr. Mime wearing a shirt, just waiting. Is that our guest? Ash's mom's voice called from the kitchen. No, mom, it's just that Mr. Mime again. A pause. Ash, that's our guest. Let him in. You can't be serious, but it was already too late. Mr. Mime pushed past Ash into the house, forever changing Ash's world. Aw, oh, how sweet you brought me flowers. Delia Ketchum leaned down to plant a kiss on the Mr. Mime's face. Mr. Mime said in response, I'm playing by game rules here, pals. The key smash is his battle cry and the only effective way to communicate the sheer emotion that this character is feeling. Well, why don't we get down to dinner? I made everything lactose-free because I know you're lactose intolerant. Delia punctuated this by booping Mr. Mime cutely on the nose. 
Wow, Mr. Miami and my mom sure are close, Ash thought suspiciously as he helped his mom bring the food to the table. He didn't fail to notice that Mr. Miami pulled his mom's chair out for her. So, remind me again how you two know each other, Ash asked his mom. Don't you remember, Ash? You were there. This Mr. Miami and I helped stop Team Rocket from stealing the Pokemon in Stella's Circus. God, I hate that I actually looked up Pokemon lore in order to make this fanfiction legit. Okay, but what's he doing here? That was a long time ago. Well, Ash... When a woman loves a Mr. Mime. Wait, what? Mr. Mime screamed. Don't interrupt your mother. Thank you, honey. Delia put her hand on Mr. Mime's. Oh, that's right. When a woman loves a Mr. Mime, Ash, especially when that Mr. Mime is as good in a sack as this one, you chain that Mr. Mime down and never let it go. Not even to its own mother's funeral. You hear me? Mr. Mime said, giving Delia the bedroom eyes. Honey, not in front of Ash. The Mr. Mime made some lewd gesture involving a hole it had made in one of the bread rolls. Delia swatted him playfully, saying, Ooh, you're bad. With every second, Ash could feel himself becoming more and more confused. What do you mean by good in the sack? Is that a term for when you go Pokemon hunting, but you don't have enough Pokemon balls, so you try using a sack instead? Mr. Mime jumped on the table and started groggily hip-thrusting and smacking its own ass. <laughs> Honey, maybe it would make sense if I showed you a photo album? I'm not sure how that would help in understanding hunting Pokemon with a sack, but sure, are there any photos of Dad in there? Oh, honey. Love is like a thousand mimes butt-fucking you into oblivion. You are my one and always less than three, Delia. The inside of the photo album read, below are the photos that met Ash's eyes. I'm gonna have to describe these. Mr. Mime lying on a couch and mom like, I don't know, looks like she's taking his temperature or something or, or I think that's a thermometer. The next one, they're sunbathing next to each other. Next one, Mr. Mime has its hand on Ash's mom's thigh. And this last one, I don't think it's an image from the anime like the last three were, but it's Mr. Mime checking out Ash's mom's ass. And then the continues, Mom, why are none of these photos of you and Dad? Well, because Ash, well, because they're of me and your new daddy, but these are all photos of, of, it's okay, you can say it, but he's, he's a Pokemon. No, Ash. He's daddy, TM. And then it just ends with an image of a surprised Pikachu. <sighs> this author, like, hates themselves for writing this, but, like, someone had to do it. That's what I think. So, bless you for writing this. Today we covered Cool and Shiny by Cherry Truck, Misty's Fartacular Adventure by Cosette Licious, Something Within Your Eyes by Nardoran Duran, My Sweet Beasts, Silver Takes the Dicking, and Lyra's Cowgirl Conversion by Sex the Hex, and Mr. Mime Becomes My New Daddy, TM, by Can underscore O underscore Tuna underscore Bolism. The Bar's Low is on Instagram. You can find us at The Bar's Low with an underscore in between each word. Follow us. You know what's coming up next. If you have a fix to suggest, feel free to get in contact with me. And if you want to drop a rating or review on iTunes, that'd be real cool. I'm not going to beg you for five stars. Give me however many damn stars you think I deserve. And as always, I'm your pal, Wanchikis Thoughticus. This is The Bar's Low. Thank you for joining me. And that's all for today.